Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Episode 83, Pilot Boys in the building. Partha, what's up, man? Look like you had a good weekend this weekend. Yo, I'm looking tan today, V. I'm looking tan. It's because I was outside all weekend, man. How about you? Uh man, I am uh, in a in a state of Zen. All this all this meditation and uh, and self self work that I've done over the past year and a half has been tested uh, with this move I'm making. <laughs> yeah, and it's been you know we talked a little about about this off air. It sounds like it's been a hectic move, uh, hectic enough for you to forget this is episode eighty four, not eighty three. Oh wow, my guy. Yeah. So the weeks the weeks continue to to fly by. Um, I'll I'll share a little bit of my weekend. So I, I got to go play basketball for the first time in like I a year. Yeah, so. LA did that weird thing where they took the rims down for some reason last year. It's authoritarian, if you ask me. And uh, now the rims are back up. So oh, nice. went out. You know, took a took a sick photo on my gram. If you want to check that out at Lasso Partha of me grabbing the rim for the first time since my car accident about a year and a half ago felt freaking good dude it felt good nice. to get outside and i was playing and it's like i've been watching this show it's called karuko basketball it's like this anime show you've been talking about this for three Bro, weeks now it, it is. is so good so <laughs> anyway i've been watching this show and i've been just like itching to play basketball because they all talk about the shows about the strategy of the game of basketball right so i was on the court and it's like i think there's two ways to enjoy any sort of experience like the first is like the purest way which is like loving the act of shooting a basketball for example right or dribbling and passing but then the other side of it is like loving the game itself which is like knowing your opponents understanding their psyches and like playing based on how your opponent is like mm-hmm. made to react and leveraging, you know, their own weaknesses for your success. And so this weekend we played some two on two. It was uh, me and a few friends and we, we just had such a fun time because everybody was kind of the same skill level. You know, we're all like very medium skill, but we all were able to really channel into like strategy around the game, like actually where people are standing, you know, doing fakes, like getting people off guard. And that's the fun of sports for me is when you get to play the mental game alongside the physical, it can be tough when I go play regular pickup in LA because people are just so freaking good at those courts. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's funny because basketball is in terms of the sport that I love. It's, it is a sport that I love the most and the sport that I was the best at. And it's funny because I, instead of kicking myself, sometimes I was like, man, I wish, I wish I was a little bit taller, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like six, two, six, three, and probably about 30 to 40 pounds heavier. I was like, I, I could have gone far, but the thing that, that, that happened on the, on the court for me was that was it. I had a natural grasp of the game. I understood spacing, understood motion, understood how to create lanes for other people. Like I just had a natural understanding of what to do off of the ball before, you know, when you play basketball, it's about knowing what you do on the ball. And that's what people start with, you know, and literally my game built off of that. 
And that was actually tough for me when, uh, when I stopped being good at basketball, you know, from a physical standpoint, like I couldn't, I couldn't, like I, I I said it on your post, like I couldn't jump up and grab the rim anymore. I had aches and pains and stuff. You have to adjust, but I played basketball with like some really, really good players recently last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, actually with, uh, and if freaking I didn't score the ball, I didn't do a lot, but I played a role on the court and I, and I was humble enough to know what my talent level was to say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do much here from a, a scoring standpoint, but I'm going to figure out what to do. That's what I love about basketball. There's so yeah. much nuance and that's what makes players like LeBron, MJ, Kobe, Dennis Rodman's these guys, that's why they're so much better than anyone else because it can't be physical talent. There's uh, there are a lot of physically talented players. It really comes down to how nuanced can you get with your understanding of the game of basketball. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And I think what's powerful is that whether you have the ball or not, there's always something you can be doing to help your team. And like that mentality continues throughout life. It's like at any moment, it doesn't matter what your role in a situation is. There's always a way you can add toward the overall goal. Yes, of course. You know, uh, one of my favorite quotes, I don't know if anyone else said this, but I use it for myself. I think I created it. So therefore I did. Uh, teamwork only works if the team works. You know what I mean? That's a good one. That's a bar. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's maturity. <laughs> you want to hear i i was just driving back from i went to san diego this weekend and uh, i was driving back and i was just like listening to drake of course and i was just like i had a bar pop into my head just to just to rival that one a little bit uh i wrote it down in my notes app but yeah it's uh you know i'll, I'll just put it up right here it says car didn't come with a key just a key card oh okay you like that because yeah, the yeah. tesla yeah yeah that shit just hit me. Nice. It's always good. <laughs> Our back and forth. Uh, we should when we we start talking about music, we always end up sending a few free bars back and forth. Yeah, I mean they're good. <laughs> they're good bars. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. We spend too much time around rappers to not be able to write write raps. Do something. I can't rap for the life of me, but I can write. So yeah, hundred <laughs> <Yeah>. percent. <laughs> I can barely I can barely speak straight, let alone rap right. <laughs> Dude, know? I can barely do anything. <laughs> all of the things you realize about actually being a talented rapper in terms of vocal control, in terms of flows, like that stuff is complex. It's not just there are a lot of people who can write really well, but the thing about rap and hip hop that makes it such a unique art form is that, right? Is yeah. that element of it is it's not just like a poem or it's, it's not just the words. It's also the delivery of those words around it. There are a lot of rappers like young thug, for example, I don't understand anything he's saying, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he understands strong song structure and he knows how to flow on a beat and change it up to keep your ears entertained. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing. And then there's the opposite. You know, there are a lot of rappers who are really good writers like J. Cole. Yeah. But they'll never be able to make songs like Drake. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Um, so within hip hop, there are just so many different like skill sets. Yeah. And there's so many, I think the thing that stands out to me is like when you get a really great artist, right? Like not, not just someone who has a couple successful tracks, but like an actual artist who creates art, the level of like technical proficiency combined with the level of vision is so large. Like I've, had the pleasure of meeting a few people, both business people and musicians and athletes who think that way. And it is every time I meet somebody like that, it just, I I sit down afterward and I'm just like, wow, like that is, that is a different bar that I need to get myself to. Yeah, it is. It is, man. Oh man, that's a good, that's a good conversation right there. And we kind of just randomly (laughs) let's jump into our news and notes uh first off uh naomi osaka uh kind of went under fire over this last week yeah deciding not to do media at the french open uh it sounds like she has been having some mental health struggles and wanted to kind of get her own mental space is is what i read from it yeah i mean it's it's just yet another example of us saying that we care about mental health but not actually caring about it, you know, yeah. um, anybody who has mental health, because she's, here's where I kind of my analysis of the Naomi Osaka situation from having a decent amateur understanding of tennis, tennis players, female tennis players, specifically they, the, and, and male tennis players, you know, you're great. The greats are separated at that age, like 15, 16, 17 most of the greats start around there mm-hmm. so she has started around 17 has been a pro tennis player since she's 17 and won i think uh the u.s open when she was 20 you know mm-hmm. um and so the type of pressure and stuff that goes in when you add in the fact that they're that young and that they're playing in an individual sport it's not outside the realm of reality that some of them will face mental health issues, especially as the pressure mounts, right? And you're still maturing as a human being and your outlook on the world, There's there could be issues. She admitted that she struggled on clay and she said that she struggled with mental health since she won the US Open. That's another thing too, is that people don't understand that success can also come with a unique form of depression because you, yeah. the imposter syndrome, all those things that you talk about. And she very, very eloquently communicated that to why she, as to why she wasn't doing it. She wasn't doing it just like, I don't feel like talking to the media. Yeah. And so the, the grand slam committee, which controls, they said that, um, she would either have to, they find her $15,000 for missing media. And they told, they said that um, if she, if she missed any more media, um, media sessions that she would forfeit. This is a very, very uh, arrogant way to look at it. Like there's no way she's going to walk away from the tournament. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she walked away from the tournament like a G. Yeah. I'm glad uh, dude. Because, like, you got to Marshawn Lynch those situations. Yeah. But everyone doesn't have that sort of mental. Marshawn Lynch has a unique mental strength and attitude in terms of confidence in who he is that he doesn't care. Yeah. Right. 
and he really doesn't care. It's not like he's going through the process. Yeah. Like that's a guy, when you hear him talk, you're like, that's an authentic human being right there. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And now, and it's tough. Like when you, like that's where the earlier part growing up as a great tennis player, winning the U S open being kind of pegged this, the next Serena Williams, you know, those yeah. pressures are real, man. And yeah. for her, for the committee, they showed their ass in this situation. In my opinion, I don't know where you, you fall on this, but she, she took a bold step that I think when we talk about like athletes taking bold steps and putting their, their money where their mouth is, this is about as big as it gets. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm I've been a big Naomi Osaka fan, and this continues to add to my fandom because it's just it's cool to see somebody who's a kid like take these these types of stands, you know. And like, yeah, I mean, clearly she's struggling, which is always h- tough to watch. But at the same time, she's not letting that struggle diminish her. She's not folding. She's standing for what she believes in, and you know, you always get my respect if you do that. Yeah, and and she's also being. F- honest and straightforward with it. This should yeah. be a great case study on mental health. And t- instead it's showing, you know, kind of this, this, this disconnect, you know, yeah. with reality and why so many, you know, celebrity is a conversation. That's a whole episode we can talk about, but you know, the, the, the type of pressure that we put on individuals um, unfairly sometimes. Yeah. And I do feel that the lines are blurring a lot today in society between celebrity, not celebrity, influencer, not influencer, brand, organization. It's just such a such a different ecosystem than it was 15 years ago mm-hmm. and what celebrity meant even 10 years ago and ha- how it interacted with society. Um, we're getting to this point where we all have to identify the humanity in each other for us to move forward as a society. And I think like these types of moments are very important for us to realize like hey we we as a society we vote for the person's mental health over the sport any day right we all do vote for that at our hearts we just have to get there and acknowledge it publicly and then for the people running these organizations i'm i cannot wait for the day that old sports organizations fall by the wayside and the industry's change and they are shifting you know like just the emergence of a sport like pickleball to me within the tennis sector is fascinating because it's a new regime it's younger the culture's different people are nicer and less stuck up it's different it's very different you know and yeah yeah. but do you think that will change when it becomes big business though that's always what happens right sports start authentically and purely but then when you have a lot of people who have vested interests in this you know they uh the vested interests will always uh will always care about what their specific interest is right and how do you manage all of those it's kind of like you know managing a group of investors yeah i think you're right and i think it's like it's vested interest in money until you know the until society shifts right because i see fragmentation as the future i don't see the singular um, industry leading businesses or regimes as the way that whether it's sports or whether it's tech or whatever industry, I just don't see it being as large because I think as um, as humans, we're starting to identify tighter and tighter to communities. We're being more community driven, more empathic 
as a species. Um, so, you know, I, I always take the optimistic view on life because it's just, you know, how I, how I see things. But um, yeah, I, I see this type of action by an athlete, especially in a sport like tennis, which has typically not been like this in terms of the conversation. Uh, it's only a good thing in my eyes that we're moving in this direction. Especially the way that it's being handled, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you like to see these young athletes handle, um, how they handle the adversity and how they manage it, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Just the self-awareness at, I don't know how old she is. 21. She's 22. I 22. Believe. The self-awareness at 22 to make that move. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely, uh amazing yeah um i'm a big fan keep rooting for her and seems like the sports community in the yeah. world has really come behind her which is cool too absolutely so let's talk a little bit about the uh playoffs uh injuries have been abound uh, anthony davis had a groin injury the other day um it was pretty heartbreaking to see that happen because i've been rooting for the lakers this year and uh it's it's definitely a tough series they're in uh, last night, uh, Joel Embiid got injured. They're doing an MRI on his knee. You know, these are consequences. Both players obviously having a history of injuries, but these are consequences of an abridged season coming so close on the heels of the previous season and the bubble, which kind of came out of the blue after players hadn't really been playing for, you know, three, four months. And it just goes to underscore the impact, the continued impact of the the pandemic last year on everything in our lives. Like even in this return to normal with NBA this year. Yeah, we have fans, but you know, most teams are missing at least one star player. Yeah, they are. I mean, this is the, 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 the hard part about the season. It seems like NBA injuries are coming more frequently too, because I think it's the type of machines, Anthony Davis, for a guy to be that tall and that athletic, same thing with Joel Embiid. That's not normal, you know? Yeah, yeah and, true that. And so it's not like they get major injuries, but these like minor injuries, anything that goes wrong in, in well-oiled machines like that is going to stand out more, right? Yeah. When it actually happens, it's either healthy or hurt. And it seems like with Embiid and Anthony Davis, we're really seeing that, you know? Yeah. The, you know? And also all of the tall, really tall players that have ever come into the NBA, if you look at them, they all then none of them ever have big careers because of this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those that's that's part of it. And it's unfortunate, but the, the truth about NBA and anything competitive is you just gotta see it through. You yeah. know? Um, I totally agree. You know, but I do yeah. think they also could shorten the seasons. There are, it's a money grab. Eighty two if they really cared about the best product and player health. You could you could decide an NBA season in say fifty games and start the playoffs, you know, what I mean, and make the playoffs, you know, you could even add elements like in season tournaments and stuff like that yeah. that could reduce the actual load of going eighty two games, traveling across the country, playing half those games on the road, half at home, um, and every other night. You know, I I have some friends who've played in the NBA and once you actually see it from that perspective, um, it's unique. You know, it's the same thing that everyone thinks about. Like your friends probably are like, Oh, you get to travel so much for work. And people don't realize that that when you travel a lot for work, that isn't fun. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like all your friends who are athletes, you never get to see because they're just always at practice or a game or on a plane or somewhere. And yep. you have to go fly to them if you want to even have a hangout. And then you get, what, 20, 30 minutes after the game where they're able to hang out, maybe a couple hours, and then they're back at it, back on the grind. So it's challenging. I mean, I, I thought about it the other day, like the scrutiny plus the schedule of an athlete, especially like I'm 28 now and I can feel travel on my body now. I can feel its impact. And I didn't feel its impact when I was 23, right? So to imagine like someone like a LeBron handling the schedule at 36 is pretty ridiculous to me, but it also shows the level of commitment that's necessary. Your whole life has to be built around the sport. Yeah. And I think that's what people underestimate about LeBron is he does a lot of things from a business perspective and like, but his movement is very, very controlled because he doesn't spend a lot of time and he never has spent a lot of time just hanging out, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's because he's always working on his body and he spends a lot of money on it, you know? Yeah. He, you know, there the stories are all out there about how he spends over a million dollars a year just on his health and wellness plan, you know, yeah. um, got to spend money to make money, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the right investment for an athlete too. And you know, the other, the other interesting thing, you've got the athlete side of the return to play, right? Obviously a lot of, lot of changes that they're dealing with. The fan side of return to play is something I'm surprised about seeing how many fans have been so all over the place. Like we had uh, somebody, I think they threw a water bottle at, uh, was it, it was either Trey Young or Kyrie. Yeah. Somebody spit on Trey Young. Someone spit on Trey Young. Someone threw a water bottle at uh, one of the other players at Kyrie and at they Kyrie. also there was another incident uh with Westbrook well. right Westbrook and then uh John Morant's parents when they were in Utah the fans next to them were like uh racially abusing them as well Utah the Utah one makes sense to me cuz Utah fans have always been like that but yeah. in general the whole context of it is surprising that after a year of not being able to see sports, the first thing we would want to do is, you know, attack the people putting on a show for us. Well, here's, here's, here's why it makes sense to me is yeah. that people have been stuck at home, repressed, mental illness gets worse. Fanhood, people who are diehard fans, there's a, there's a thin line between diehard fanhood of anything and craziness. Yeah, right? true that. So there's a there are a lot of 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 variables here uh, that it would make sense to why some of these incidents are happening now that we're back to open, back to normal. Think about how divided the country is along a lot of these things. This is where the tension, uh, the tension of of creating division kind of shows itself, right? Yeah, um, it harvests itself in these type of scenarios and these type of um, positions right yeah. like your racism is only going to be enhanced if you're racist and you see a whole bunch of guys playing basketball and making millions of dollars doing it right and you know the stadiums they're they're saying they're going to the consequences are very few right like we don't realize like what it actually means you have the right as a player or a human being to physically defend yourself if somebody 
throws a drink at you, spits at you. Yeah. But these NBA players, they exercise a large amount of restraint. And you understand, like, it's the initial reaction. If somebody, nobody deserves that. Like, it's fight or flight. You're going to fight. Yeah. Human beings are, are trained. If somebody spits on you, even you, Partha, if somebody actually spit on you, you'd probably have a physical, you'd have to, you'd have a physical reaction to it. I mean, it, it's, sort. it's pretty nuts uh, in general that, that, you know, you can even have so much restraint as a person who's already like the mental state you're in during a game, especially during those crunch yeah. minutes. It's a very intense place that you get to. So the only thing that would register for me that makes sense in that context is you're so focused on the game. You don't give a shit what somebody else is doing to provoke you. Cause you're like, I don't really care. Like spit yeah. on me, throw a water bottle. I'm getting that bucket. I'm winning this game. I mean, that's how, that's how Trey young, Trey young didn't even respond to it. Yeah. It happened uh, with Westbrook when he was leaving the game. It happened with Kyrie curbing after the game was over. Although, I mean, Kyrie has to take another level as a player himself too. And understanding he knows how crazy these people are. Right. And he said it before the game, why would you then go instigate it by stomping on the mascot before you leave the game? It pissed off Kevin Garnett. It pissed off a lot of other players. Like I actually kind of I like that stuff. I, I did, but just know yeah. that it's it's there's some strict liability yeah. when you do something like that, and you know you're in a stadium, and you know how crazy both how competitive the other team is. You see fights in games already. Oh yeah, you know what you're you know what. The consequences might be in that scenario. Not saying it was fair that a fan threw a drink on him, but that's that's part of understanding and controlling your environment is knowing that these things exist and these type of people exist, and yeah. trying to avoid those scenarios unless they're necessary. You and know, I did see that um, the fan who threw the water bottle did get uh, charged with assault. Yeah, as he should. Yeah. Yeah. As he should, but then they, they kick these guys out. We go to NBA games. They don't check IDs when you go into a, a, a sporting event. There's no facial recognition in the U.S. for when you go into sporting events. They're tickets, and anybody can hold those tickets. True. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, grow your beard out, grow your hair out, change your cut hair, put some glasses on. Are they really going to know that you're the fan that got kicked out? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I would, I would say this: if you did get kicked out one time, I'm sure that's a pretty strong deterrent from you kind of drawing attention to yourself a second time. Oh, you would hope so. You would. Hope yeah. So. Yeah. So, so. Um, in other news, there was a posthumous album from DMX that came out last Friday. V as a as a huge DMX fan, I'm really curious your thoughts on this. Well, you know, uh, rest in peace, X. But this is a strictly musical conversation, so I can be critical to a degree. Um, DMX's first three albums, even four albums, were really, really amazing pieces of work for different reasons. His last two albums, not so much. Um, it, it just he had lost he had lost what made him captivating you know what i mean uh, i think he regained it with this album while also like i feel like from a production standpoint it advanced um to a point where it didn't sound dated and the the features were selected really well um and i thought it was a really really good project the first good really good x project and and um a really good post 
you know, posthumous album, considering how quickly they put it together. A uh, lot of kudos t- to, to Swiss Beats and everybody involved. Um, and I think uh, uh, Young Dirk and Lil Baby actually pushed the release date of their album back uh, so that DMX could get released on the 28th as well. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so the community really showed, it shows you the level of respect uh, that this guy had. And then I think the Jay-Z clip went around, uh, for those who are, who are too young to know, the Jay-Z clip went around about when they were on tour together and how he had to perform after DMX. Yeah. <laughs> and and all the cycle of emotions that DMX and he was like, <laughs> basically this is Jay-Z saying, I didn't want to go next. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, <laughs> you know, it just kind of tells you his live performance is something else, man. You ex- feel every single emotion um, and you feel him as a human being, his energy and his spirit. So long live X, uh, lo- check out the album. Partha, did you get a chance to listen to some of it? I did listen to it. The As you might guess, the clip that captivated me the most was Swiss Beats at a beat battle playing a unreleased J. J. Cole, Cole verse yeah, over the Bat Salts beat, which was yeah. nuts. Bat Salts was nuts. The song yeah. itself was nuts. It was an insane yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. so I, I thought it was a good project. Um, for me personally, I've, I've just been on a little baby kick, so I am just waiting for that, that project to come out. Yeah, that's going to be a special project. It seems like uh, Little Baby is is the people's champ right now. Yeah. Um, we've been through a few of those eras. I feel like the Jeezy had this, um, Ti had this. You know, there's always that one guy from Atlanta that I think in each phase of hip hop really, really uh, is one of the key players, and that that tells you that Atlanta where Atlanta stands currently in terms of like hip hop communities nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. And um I also want to mention I got put on to a new artist, um, IDK. I hadn't really listened to his music before. Oh okay. uh, I had the pleasure to spend some time with him over the weekend and uh, I was I was just so impressed by how he thinks. He's a really sophisticated thinker. Probably one of the more sophisticated thinkers I've ever met from the context of how he looks at art, business, music, tech. He's very, very um, broad in terms of his interests and his, um, his ventures that he's building. So a fascinating human who has a very, very clear, strong you know, goal that I really resonated with, which was helping with his, one of his main drivers was essentially to inspire people, but also to teach them um, how to make money, essentially, especially his community he came from in DC. So it was a really cool kind of conversation getting into how he works, but also learning about how every business move he's making ties in with his lyrics, which ties in with his brand he's building, which ties in with this bigger goal that he wants to help people become more financially literate, understand how money works and understand what they can do in the world. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story, man. I'm gonna have to check him out. We're gonna have to have him on. I mean, yeah, those, seriously, that's those are the the type of people that um, I think are important to hear, especially if he's he seems like he's fairly young, right? Yeah, yeah, he's like uh, he's my age. He's uh, 28, 29, and uh, yeah, a, a really well rounded thinker. So Cause, yeah, cause that's that's the truth about about success in any industry, right? If you as far as being successful in the business aspect of it, it's separate than the art. 
you know, you have to think through the people who are successful, are successful, really successful because they built their business and they built their, their art form, um, parallel to each other. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's, it's just always inspiring to spend time around people who are like far, far broader in terms of what they've been able to impact than you. Right. Yeah. That's what, yeah. yeah. If all your friends do the same thing, you know, you live a fairly boring life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's, you know, we don't need to run down the uh, small city, big city train again, but I will say like this weekend, especially being in LA and just bouncing around. Um, I mean, the, the volume of high quality, inspiring people that I, I met or ran into this weekend was just absurd. And I said no to several opportunities to hang out with people because I was just tired. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's how it goes, right? Like the big cities can wear you down whenever I've lived there. It wore me down. I feel like Columbus was like coming here was like taking a pause, right? To figure yeah. things out. Um, but you're right about that. And it, and it, and this isn't about wrong or right. It's just different mentalities to thrive in a place like LA or New York. You have to be creative, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if places like I, I look at, the Midwest is like a great middle management, you know, middle management type of town, right? Everybody plays Mm -hmm. a role in the wheel on the wheel. Um, but it's not the place for creative energy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, although there have been some very creative people, there are a lot of creative people who come from Ohio though, that run, these cities though that's the other interesting part of it and i wonder why that is um in terms of not not growing if you look at la most of the people that that you see who are really doing well aren't from there right yeah 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 i I think you know the the biggest thing that i've seen in the people that i meet that are highly successful is a sense it's it's something i didn't grow up with or see around me at all in ohio at all i'm saying zero and that's and, why you, they all got out, right? Yeah. I never saw this character trait till I left. And not in Atlanta either. I met zero of... I met some very successful people in Atlanta. So, you know, there's people who have, have built huge businesses. But I'm talking purely within, like, the realm of what makes an Elon an Elon or what makes a Drake a Drake, right? Yeah. That character set, I've never seen it till I moved to LA. And now I see it everywhere. And it's, yeah, it's this combination of confidence and vision. That that's I, what New York, that's what New York did. New York too. New, York's New York did too. that for me. And I feel yeah. like it's, we will we'll keep reiterating this. We think that if, if, if you're creative and you want to have a unique imprint on the world, you either have to spend a, a period of time in New York or LA because it, it teaches you so many things that, living elsewhere unless you're put in the fire you won't understand right like not just having a job but having two or three different hustles um networking you know making sure you're on the ghost you know the lasso phrase stay moving you literally have to stay moving to keep up in these places yeah um and it's it's important but i also think it's it's also important that during a certain phase of your life this is just my personal philosophy is that you need to spend time learning, right? Like yeah. what these people from Ohio have, the kids in LA don't have, they don't have the same distractions, you yeah. know? 
they develop their skills and then they go to a place like LA and run circles around people because they combine that blue collar kind of work ethic mentality stuff with creative edge and a lack of fear. It takes a lot. You can't be a fearful person and say, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. So I think when you take those variables, that's what makes, uh, makes transplants do really well um, in big markets. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think the other part of it too, is like when you get exposed to people like in person that really do what you're trying to do at a high level, whatever the space or who just happen to inspire you, that in-person thing is worth more than anything else in my opinion. Cause it's like, I, I was always told in Atlanta, like, oh, you're so humble. You're so humble. And it's like, even here, it's like, you're so humble. No, I'm not humble. I just know where I'm at. I know. <laughs> exactly. I know I got a long way to go. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not, pro- I, it's yeah. not in us to project something that we don't feel, right? Yeah. Like, that's one thing that I have an issue where, where my kind of issue with kind of people in those markets is that I feel like everybody, because of the pressure people feel, I feel like in New York and LA, a lot of people are projecting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're projecting where they're trying, instead of being present, they're projecting where they think people want them to be or where they need to be to, to keep up. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and sometimes the, the converse, and that's why it's also the people. I always find that my friends in those cities are people who aren't from there either, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Man, well, we'll go into that big city talk a little more in depth some other day. But uh, for today, we'll take a little break and we will be back with a deep dive. This is uh, the topic today is staying calm under fire. And uh, V's got some nice personal story to give that some context. We'll be right back. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Hey, guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture-wicking materials and built-in strike padding, so every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. We take a deep breath before we take this deep dive, Partha. <laughs> Staying calm under fire. V, you've got, a, you've got a heck of a story to tell today. Yeah, as anyone in America knows, moving is one of the most stressful and annoying things that you possibly can do. Um, and each time you think you get better at it by learning from your past mistakes and doing things differently. But it just never ceases to amaze me. I don't think I've ever heard of someone, unless unless you have like a white glove company, right, that you're going to spend like 50K to move, uh, then you're not, you're going to encounter problems moving and it's stressful. 
but you know, this weekend was extremely stressful for me. I booked out some movers. Um, they were supposed to come pick up the stuff um, and move it for me. And unfortunately, um, they were supposed to come the 29th or 30th. I booked it three weeks in advance, four weeks in advance. Um, and I'm trying to get an answer from them on the 29th. They're communicating with me the whole time, right? So it's not like they just disappeared, but they're like, um, yeah, the driver is going to call you when they're an hour out. It's going to be either the 29th or 30th. Forgive us. It's Memorial Day weekend, blase, blase, blase. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. The 30th morning comes around. I'm like, all right, I'm going to press these people, you know, because I need to be out of here on by the 31st. My lease is up at the 31st. I coordinated this specifically and asked you guys to give me a date that guaranteed me to be out of there by the 31st. If I knew this was possible, I would have booked it for the 24th. You know what I mean? Just to give myself that that wiggle room, but that that didn't happen. And so Saturday, I'm calling them multiple times. They don't answer. Finally, because it's Memorial Day and they're all closed. And finally, somebody responds and says, so sorry, the truck broke down. <laughs> the truck mm-hmm. broke down on its way to you. Um, and we're finding you a replacement truck. The replacement truck will be there Monday. And I was like, okay, that's still cool. Sunday night comes, and then they give me the number of the actual driver. The dri- I finally I leave a message for the driver. He calls me back. Nice guy, right? Really nice guy. And he's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. They told you I was in Colorado, but I'm in California, headed to Colorado. And I did the math in my head. It's like a 40-hour drive, right? That's two to three days away if man. you really, really push it. And this is Sunday. And he's like, I'm waiting for a load here and I'll be on my way uh, to Ohio and I should be there by Wednesday evening. And I couldn't get a hold of anyone in my apartment complex all weekend because the office was closed. I sent an email. Nobody was responding. So I was like, worst case, I'll just have to pay for a few extra days at my apartment. Um, And so I'm like calculating all this in my head, mind you, like, the, the, the topic for this week is staying cool under pressure and so many different things have happened where I think the natural human trigger is to get angry when you've been wronged and you didn't do anything wrong, especially it's really easy to get caught up in, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, therefore, you know, everything should happen. Right. That's just not a reality. Right. But when these things happen, it's all about staying calm because if I yeah. lose my cool on the moving company, they still control my move. And it's the busiest move time for me to get another date anytime in the next couple of weeks from another moving company is going to be hard. And I'm going to be paying a premium on top of it. They have my deposit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I can only control what I can control. So if you lose your temper and the moving company gets mad at you, they're going to hold that anger. They're picking up your stuff. So there's no reason to be upset or get upset with them when they still control your stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this this is is the issue that people don't underestimate in, in politics and international politics too, is even if you know what's right and wrong, you just got to, 
keep moving forward and trying to control and solve the problems, if you focus your energy on that, you won't have the time to get upset. Yeah, you know, that's so true. Like you, when you really are thinking about how do I fix the problem, you won't have the time to dedicate to being upset at it. You know, and I and I find this is something, and I'm, I'm this took a lot of years for me to get to this point because I was a highly volatile person when I was younger in terms of temper. I was calm, but I had a really really bad temper, and it's taken me years to kind of control that temper because I found that every time I lose my temper, nothing productive happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. The problem usually doesn't get solved as quickly and it doesn't, it, it really doesn't make any difference on the outcome. The only thing that's going to make a difference on the outcome is you, you know, yeah. you have to trust yourself and you have to keep moving and make things happen. The problem's still not solved. So finally now, I got a, I talked to the leasing office and they're like, you need to be out of there because we leased it out for the eighth. Somebody is coming tomorrow to replace the carbon and paint the walls. So I was hoping that they would let me extend for a few days. It shouldn't be a big deal, but someone's actually leased my specific apartment for the eighth. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't uh, get upset. I just called around. I was like, all right, let me get a storage unit and a moving truck. You know, it's going to cost me more money. But if I, that's the other thing. If I get caught up in thinking about how much money I'm spending, that will also make me pause. You know what yeah. I mean? You have to just solve the problem and worry about it later because the problem is the problem, you know? Yeah. I think what's powerful about that is there's no outcome from getting upset. The only thing is it slows down your, your resolution of the problem. So it keeps mm-hmm. you in that space for longer. But when you solve the problem quickly, then, you know, the other part of it is what's challenging is you've made your moves, say yesterday, right? Or yep. your moves today. Then you have several hours before the next move. And that's yep. usually, I think, where a lot of people struggle is like their minds just run through everything. And it's like, well, those several hours, why not do something you enjoy doing? And like one practice that I've, I've put into my life when, whenever I feel this feeling of like, like you're talking about, like, you plan for something, it doesn't necessarily go that way. You're kind of a little bit stressed running around, putting out fires and, and making your moves. In the downtime you have, I have started to do things for myself, whether it's a massage or whether it's like take myself out to dinner or whatever it might be, go to the beach. Like I do little things to reward myself because I know that if I don't do that, I'll dwell. Yeah. And that's the worst place. That's where, you know, when we talk about mental illness, you know, as I, as I told you before we got on air, it's not that I'm not fighting those thoughts, yeah. you know what I mean? Like to, to, those thoughts are going through my head. It's just that I'm processing them instead of just reacting to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. You know, the worst side of you will always come out at, at times, but it's about your efficiency, under fire, right? How many times can you do this? And if you're not prepared to handle stuff like this, you have no business, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur. That's, that's what I tell myself. You have, if you can't handle the stress, then go work at a consulting company, you know, go have someone tell me what to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want control, then you're going to deal with the consequences that come with having that control, you know? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Even in that context, though, you don't really have control. It's just an yeah. illusion of control, right? That's kind of like... You, yeah, you have control over your actions. Yeah, at all times. At all times. At all times. And the thing about it is, is reacting doesn't lead to solutions. Action does. You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a big thing. You know, are you reactionary or are you, are you action-oriented? I think that's a yeah. big thing in terms of the emotional check um that people need to master um to succeed and get ahead and this this applies to your personal relationships too the less you get triggered because when you you know if you're in a relationship or your family these are people that you know inside and out you know their strengths their weaknesses their flaws everything so you can continue to build a process of reacting to them and getting angry at these things or you figure out solutions where it doesn't bother you as much. The little things don't matter. Like there's two ways to invest. You can either invest in the drama, which is going to be there in every family and every personal relationship you have, or you focus on mastering and understanding to a point where it doesn't, you, you minimize the number of times that you lose your cool. And yeah. I feel like it's much healthier from a mental health standpoint if you focus on, on how do I control myself? And how do I control my re reactions? Totally. Um, and one more thing to add, you know, a lot of balance comes from the breath in mm -hmm. our lives. So just taking the time to take a deep breath through your nose when you're stressed or when you feel a lot of feelings can be the difference between reacting and acting. Just yeah. that, like, you know, three seconds, I think, is the length of an average breath. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it, it, it takes. Yeah, it's amazing because it is that that is my trigger. I have to control that trigger because I just want to react and get to get get to a point. But you got to take that breath and say, "Okay, let me control my emotions." That's mm -hmm. what controlling your reaction does. You're controlling your emotions, and when you control your emotional reaction, far less problems seem to be that big. You know, hundred percent. And when you stay even keel, it's a different. It's a different sort of life, man. It like it's it's a totally oh, different tone. It is. You know? It is. It is. Like I'm doing this podcast right now, you know, and I know that I have to get some shit done today, but you still have to also keep moving on what you're working on. You can't let that thing also the stress dictate the positive momentum that you're already working on. It seems like that happens a lot too, right? It's like yeah, you yeah. lose momentum on the things that you're excited about because all this bullshit is happening that's completely unrelated to it you know yeah i totally agree and like the powerful part of what you're saying is that the stress and the conflict is mentally driven it's self-imposed and it's a creation of our our own minds so yep. when we do look at these situations in life it's important to understand that we are in fact our own worst enemy in these situations and just finding the ability to manage your psyche but then to your point be to control it um over the long term and when i say control i don't mean that like in a rigid way but i mean it like uh how a leader leads a team way right like yep. if you're able to balance your tone your body will start to follow yeah yeah yeah, man, it's 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 vital. I mean, and I think it carries over into every aspect of life, yeah. right? You know, it's like if you can master your 
and stay present and get balanced, um, or at least manage your way to being balanced, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the, the breath part is important, but it's also processing what's going on in your mind and understanding how that thing actually works because how my mind works is different than how your mind works. I can't do things the same way you do them. You know, we're, we're, that's also kind of the, the hack. A lot of people go to these gurus and, and, and seek help, but the help only is helpful if you're working on it yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like no guru or therapist is going to actually un- un- unlock how you can be the best version of yourself. They can help you with certain skills that will get you there, but you still have to do the work. Absolutely. And as we we've mentioned this, I think once before, but there is no good or bad in life. There's events and then you prescribe value to those events. So even in this context yes. of the moving it's not good or bad. It just is what it is. And you can either adapt and continue to enjoy your life or you can have a, a rough few days. And, you know, a lot of people choose having a rough few days when things like this happen. And I mean, that's fine. Like we're, we're all kind of raised in that way for the most part. There's very few people who are born into situations where they're not raised that way. And that's just kind of how society was for our upbringings. Right. But like, that's okay. Like we now have the presence of mind to be able to now be aware that we create good and bad narratives in our own heads and we can step out of that a little bit and not look at things so black and white. Yeah, that's fun. It's, it's huge. And on a funny note, I'll say this too. I don't know if it's a, if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know you're probably similar, similar in this. Like I enjoy stuff like this. I enjoy these moments where I'm put to the test because if you come out of that, the other end, each time you build more confidence in yourself and your ability to solve problems. And at the end of the day, life is a bunch of problems that you're trying to solve all day long. And the people who succeed are the people who solve the most problems, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that there's an element, especially if you have been trained in your upbringing to like use your brain to solve problems a lot. Yeah. There's an element of challenging yourself that is it's exciting when things go wrong or right or wrong when things happen that, you know, maybe make things more complicated in your lives. There's an element of excitement that comes from solving those problems. But I have to counter that and say, I feel that way now, but I hope not to feel any sort of positive or negative feeling on events at some point in the future. That's the direction I'm trying to drive. Like I would prefer to just have things happen and then facilitate my actions around the circumstances that I observe and spend the rest of my energy just on on presence of mind as opposed to any sort of like emotion outside of the context of like love. Like that's where I, I would love to get to as a person. But at this stage, I totally feel the uh the uh it's like the athlete mentality. Like you kind of want do you kind of want to fuck with yourself? Yeah. You you like that. You like when someone talks trash. Like I liked playing basketball yesterday because it got intense. You know, I yeah. like that. But yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and Maybe. it's funny, and it's still that that case, right? Like yeah. even if you're a calm human being and you have mastery outside in the real world, I, I enjoy that too. I'm a very competitive basketball player. It's just knowing when to turn it on and off. And what yeah. environments to turn it on and off in, you know, hundred percent. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems like this is important for a lot of people, right? Like, especially as what's going on right now, like as we open back up, a lot of people have told me in, in conversations that they're having social anxiety now about interacting with people and getting back into the outside world. These things all are, are real, right? Like that they're happening to people and you can't, you can't underestimate the, the, how they're impacting people. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think working on those things is, is where we as a society should, should focus on, right? Like Naomi Osaka should be embraced and the mindset should be, okay, this is one of the best athletes in the world who's struggling right now. How do we get her back to being the tennis player we all enjoy watching versus why would we want uh, a 60 of her? You know what I mean? Why would yeah. we want that? Yeah, that is such a that's such a powerful way to look at the world, right? Like, how can we continue to lift each other up? Can and you hear? Yeah, yeah. And regardless of the consequences, how can we how can we take that extra step? You know, you you talk about being under fire. Like, that's how you might feel, but I know when you're feeling that way, I can play a role in helping alleviate some of that pressure through humor, through presence, whatever it might be. And we can all do that for anyone, whether it's a celebrity, a friend, a family member, an acquaintance, you name it. Anyways, on that note, I think we will bring this to an end. Uh, v was in a different room, and so I think we lost the boy on the, uh, on the Wi-Fi. Um, but in any case, this has been another amazing episode. We're very grateful uh, for you guys for listening. Make sure you check out the Pilot Boys Patreon. And if you'd like to, uh, give us a follow on TikTok at Pilot Boys Podcast. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Pilot Boys Podcast as well. We've got so much new content going up. Thanks to our producer, Alex. Um, as always, stay moving and be you, you as fly. Pilot Boys out. How funny is it? We'll just tell this. We'll tell this to the audience. How funny is it when we're talking about staying calm under fire that our feed from our show just went out? I don't know if Partha could hear me. I couldn't hear him. But it's isn't that so ironic? That's just on a final note. I don't know what you were saying, Partha, but I'm just back in the feed. But well, I could, I could tell you this, V. I could tell you if you didn't say anything right now, nobody would have known that it went out. <laughs> This guy just went out again. And on that note, everybody, Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we get on up. We